Next on News for the Soul, Eyes Wide Open with Janessa and SJ. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence. We hold the power of perception, and this power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Please welcome Janessa and SJ back to News for the Soul. Hello, News for the Soul family. Welcome to Eyes Wide Open. I am your host here this evening on this Tuesday, joining you live on a Tuesday. I'm Janessa Finley Ford. I'm an empowerment coach, and I guide leaders, healers, and high achievers in turning their obstacles into opportunities as they master the art of being human. So I have an amazing guest here with me this evening, and I can not wait for you guys to meet him. So we were going to get him on the air live last week, which is why we're coming to you Tuesday. And if you guys joined, hopefully I left you on the best cliffhanger ever that you two are on the edge of your seat ready to hear Dan's story of being a six-time cancer survivor turned heroic performance life coach. His vision is to be internationally recognized as a coach that contributes to the conscious evolution of humanity, which is what we are all about here at Eyes Wide Open, by sharing his wisdom and some brash truth. Conversations with him is riveting. As he shares his knowledge that helps eradicate chronic disease on this planet. His mission is to empower you to make inspired, independent, and informed decisions about your health, healing, and transformation so you can move forward and be the best version of yourself in this lifetime. Dan greatly values joy, love, health, wisdom, and creativity, as well as transformation, personal responsibility, thinking rationally outside the box, perseverance, and a generous dose of lighthearted humor. Dan's holistic coaching style acknowledges that you are your best expert, and he guides you with a hug and a gentle kick in the butt, because we all need one of those from time to time, to express knowing and build the anti-fragile confidence to freely and fully express your true, authentic nature and optimal health and well-being. So welcome, Dan. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here on the show this evening. I wonder who wrote that bio. I'm going to have to pay them some extra money. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're getting a raise. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was AI either because I'm not that tech savvy. So, I mean, AI, we, we could say that, but it didn't happen. I, I put that together. Anyway, it is a blessing. I'm so glad to be here on Tuesday night. I know we had some tech difficulty, and I am a tech gorilla, so I don't know how to push the buttons right in but we made it happen. Here I am. Let's 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 get busy and get to work. Yes. Let's get some people. Let's do let's it. Let's create a miracle today let's, for someone. Let's sprinkle some humor into people's lives. Usually, you know, my, my intention with the humor was hump day. Everybody needs a funny story on hump day because by the time you make it to hump day, it's the middle of the week and you kind of hit that drag. But I'll be honest, I'm feeling it and it's only Tuesday. So 
Let's lighten the energy a little bit. Share with us some <laughs> funny, crazy reality you live through that we're all going to get a good chuckle out of. I just well, I just had a recent one yesterday. I I was I started my kitchen sink to get some hot water, and it takes about three to five minutes to get hot water up in the third floor where I'm at. I was going to fill it with a water bottle and put it on my hip that I'm I'm healing my hip labrum tear, and. I had to quickly uh, answer an email. I forgot, and I went in there, and then I forgot about the, the water a little bit, and a cap, a, some kind of a cap got caught in the in the drain, and the water was overflowing, and it wound up, wound up overflowing down into the second floor. And so I was just, it's like one of those embarrassing moments of like, I'm 59 this year, so is that my, my first, like, senior moment? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna flood the house, burn the house down someday. Um, but that was a series of about three or four things that happened during the day. I I, I missed the appointment for my physical therapy because I went to the wrong time. Um, you know, there was a bunch of things, and and then I had a client that she had a bunch of things that were going on too. So I'm like, is it a solar flare? <laughs> Let's just blame a slow solar flare on this thing. It's going on. I couldn't stop laughing at myself. But, We're on the back you know, side of that full moon energy, making everything crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I so love that, that you call just, it a senior moment, though, because I, I tell everyone I still color my hair blonde so that I have an excuse when those moments happen. <laughs> so... Well, let's dive into your story because there's a lot of ground to cover. You have more wisdom than what we're going to be able to unpack in the 55 minutes. If there are callers, questions, you're welcome to try to call in. I'm not sure the status of the switchboard, but if everything's up and working, we welcome callers. If there are any where you can send your questions in via email, but we are just going to get into Dan's experience and story. So I really just want to get into the cancer, but am I missing any of the good, like is there a setup to Dan's first cancer diagnosis? Anything we should know in the background of your history leading up to? I don't think it's, it, it's, it's the American dream, right? It's the script that's been presented to us that we're all in to a more or less a degree, which is, essentially go to school and then go to higher education so you can get a good job, so I can get the wife or the trophy husband. Then we can, you know, settle down into a house and a picket fence and have children, the dog, and then live this American dream out. And I was conditioned to believe that I had to be a doctor, lawyer, and engineer in order to feel successful in my mom's eyes. So I went to school to become a civil engineer. And then I got I graduated. I wasn't a great student. I partied my butt off. I was very promiscuous with women. Just having a John Belushi kind of time in college. And working, of course, I was working and uh, doing my studies. But really, it was just I was a lost kid. I was lost in that American dream thing that I was doing something out of spite for my mom. And I had no sense of what I am in spirit, who I am in personality or character, and what I love to do for the sake of doing it. And after 17 years of that so-called educational system, it, it felt like something was really missing. And it wasn't until I got, uh, I got sick, very sick, five years into my engineering 
nightmare, getting sick every week, or not sick, but very agitated, not happy in the position, not liking the work at all, because education never taught me the work. It just taught me the, the, with the, the knowledge, but it didn't te teach me the work. And when I got into the work, I didn't like the work. So I was progressively getting more anxious and bummed out having to go on Mondays to, to go to work. And I didn't have the self-esteem or the, or the self-confidence to break free from that. So I just stuck in the rat race thinking, well, if I just work it out for five more years, da -da 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 -da, I'll get a promotion, I'll get a raise, and then I'll be happy, that kind of stuff. And here I am, I'm 27, 28, and then I find myself in the uh, office of an oncologist at that young age, and I'm there, why am I so sick? What the heck's going on? Fevers, night chills. Rigers, which are uncontrollable uh, night sweats and uh, shivers. And I was in there. I had a biopsy done, and he was going to give me the pathological report. And he gave it to me in a unique way. So for those who have either had a diagnosis of cancer or know someone, this is a very unique, really bizarre way that I was um, informed that I had a cancer. So don't. The doctor was standing up, and we shook hands, meeting eye to eye. And he said, Dan, how did such a young man such as yourself get into the business of cancer? When I share that in stories, a lot of people say that that guy should have been dis disbarred for that question. How dare you say something like that, right? But for me, that made sense. It, it went right into the core of my own being, and a part of me that that unseen aspect of myself said, hmm, hey, how did I get into, in, how did I get here? What was it that I've been doing or not doing that has brought me into this office? And fortunately, my mind went to seek the answer. And the first real impulse that came or the first insight was, if I was, it was a question, if I was more Christ-like, would I be here in this office? And the answer was immediately no. So I'm having this dialogue inside of myself. But a lot of people, you don't want to take that as a coming home Jesus moment. It was just my Catholic upbringing that, well, if I was more Christ-like, what would it be like? It's kind of like a cocky little statement to myself. And the interpretation that came following was, if I was living my true authentic nature, would I be here? Because I was living an engineer out of false pretenses. That was my false self. I was, that wasn't who I was supposed to be. That wasn't who I was. And how many other ways was I showing my false self to the world in order to fit in and feel accepted? And it just kept showing all these ways that I was uh, harming myself as a coping strategy for that lost connection to my true authentic nature. So it showed me all the ways I had done wrong to my, my true self and others, and therefore this cancer thing was an opportunity for me to do right. I just have to start to learn how to make better choices and bring it so that I can open a relationship with that unseen part that showed up in that moment. And, of course, if I shared that with any family member, it would have been seen, seen as psychotic or psychosis or, well, have a drink, settle in, you know, and do what the doctor says kind of thing. So I, I knew in that moment that became my life syllabus. Dan, how did you get into the business of cancer? That was my life syllabus. This is what was going to teach me what my educational system, or the educational system I went through, did not have any um, 
backing for or teachings. You know, what am I in spirit? Who am I in personality and character? And what do I love to do for the sake of doing it and bring joy into my life and bring joy into what I'm doing? So this became an opportunity for me to champion my own well-being. And uh, that day I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to answer the question. If I can answer that question, I can save my soul and help people along the way. Then the second thing he said, which was really remarkable, it was a statement. He said, Dan, with a little bit of pain and suffering, you will grow stronger. And my interpretation in that moment was that part of me that showed up and asked the question internally, I'll grow stronger in that part of me, the true self. So it's going to be painful to to shed what is no longer you or me, whatever is no longer me, to get to that the root of the core of who I am and what, what, am, what am I here to represent in terms of my soul's, my soul's representation? What am I here to represent? It certainly is an illness. That's not what I was coming here to do. certainly wasn't just to survive. You know, and in, in my delightful little sense of humor and internally, I was like, I, I want to thrive in life. This is ridiculous. I, if this was heaven on earth, this isn't cancer and all this stuff isn't my heaven. But it's, a, it's an invitation to actually cultivate heaven in, in, in this lifetime. So he finally ended with, he goes, well, Dan, you picked the wrong one. You picked the wrong cancer, which is interesting. He's saying I picked it, which is just, it was just bizarre in my life. I'm like, perfect. Maybe I picked the right one was my response. Right? So we, he only knew, you know, the, the medical standard treatment of, cut, burn, and poison for the slang on this side of the coin, but it's obviously drugs, radiation, and chemo and surgery. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. So I went and got a second opinion, and and I, I'm sharing this because it, there's a, a point that I want to make for anybody that's going for second opinions. First, I went to a second opinion, another medical doctor, another guy that treats non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he said, I think what uh, your doctor's suggesting is is the right course of action right now. It's very conservative, but I think that's the right way to go. Finally, he said, I said, hey, what's the chances I'm going to survive this? He goes, 50-50, that you'll make it 50, five years. Doesn't matter. And I said, okay, well, if I, if I have 50% in one hand and 50% in the other, 50% I won't make it, 50% I will make it, and I let go of the idea that this 50%, I will not make it. How much am I left with? And he goes, 50%, you'll make it. And I said, that's wrong in your mind. In my mind, it's 100% because there's, no there's no other choice. And then he just sank so into his chair. how many years ago was this? Sorry. How many years ago was that, this? That moment, what kind those, of cancer that, were you diagnosed with? It was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's a specific branch. There's about 18 different strands. This was a, a very aggressive one, et cetera, et cetera. This was thir- 30 years ago. Yeah. And uh, he sank in his chair, and he goes, it's 90% mental. That's what I keep saying. And 10% showing up. The classic Ted Williams or whatever famous baseball player it was that said it. And, and at that point, I, I was just – it, it put me into – into what's, what you'll hear further along or in another call at some point or another show, is it triggered in me this hypervigilant hunting 
I'm going to solve, I have something, I have purpose and meaning right now, which is to answer that question. And I know chemotherapy, radiation, and drugs, and surgery, and all this stuff does not answer the question. Because if you really pull it apart and I go, how did I get into the business of cancer? Well, I didn't take my chemo preventatively. I didn't take the radiation preventatively. Uh, maybe I should have cut the lymphatic system out preventatively. It doesn't answer the question, and it doesn't put any agency into my, in, into my court. It doesn't bring me to a point of empowerment. And so the reason why I'm suggesting this, or I shared this story about a second opinion, that was not a second opinion. That was the same opinion within the same model. If you want a true second opinion, you have to go outside of that model. If you want a second opinion, go to an Ayurvedic doctor. If you want a second opinion, go to the acupuncturist or the shaman or the healer. That's a second opinion. Go to German New Medicine, right? Go, that's second opinion because it's completely different than the model that they're basically a fraternity, you know? They're supporting each other. So it's... Um, something I didn't think of back then, but I'm hopefully sharing that with someone that they can take forward if they know someone or they are in that particular situation, which is what my work is to be doing, is to help create a miracle in someone else's life by giving them the insights. So that was the, that was the start, and it lasted. This was a whole six-year period of going into chemotherapy initially, going into remission, then relapsing, going into a bone marrow transplant, going into remission, very short-lived, going into uh, a relapse, having more chemotherapy, having a short remission. Then it came back in my spine very aggressively, and it encompassed a lot of my muscle and um, psoas. And so I really felt a lot of pain, and a tumor growing out of your spine is no bueno. It's just not a good feeling at all. So that required a lot of intense radiation treatment. That went into remission, and then I relapsed again, which required more chemotherapy. And at one point, that, that one, I said, I'm never doing chemo ever again. And that was in 97, 1997. And then I started, I was really on track to saying, you know, I know what I need to do. In fact, in 1995, when the bone marrow transplant failed, which they claimed has failed, my wife and I at the time, I, she was like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't want to do any more. My soul's dead. I'm done. I just, I just want to see what this, I just want to let it go. I just, it was like a give up. You know, I was giving in to the darkness, so to speak. And she really infused me with her life force. It felt like she really gave up her life force for me. And it just triggered me. And the only analogy I can give you is in the movie Rocky 1 or 2, when Adrian was in Rocky's hospital bed, and she, he's all beat up and exhausted, and she just whispers in his ear and says, hey, win. Dude, when, you know, that gives me goosebumps every time I say it because that movie was so inspiring to me when I was a kid. And that's what it felt like. She grabbed me by the lapel strongly. And she said, you got to do it. you got to do it. And I was like, you got to win. And I was like, all right, that's the power of a woman right there because that just infused me with this life force that, all right, I'm doing it. And I said to her, i got to make serious changes in my diet and exercise program. Right? I can't dabble with it. Now, let's come full circle with that because this is a lesson that you have to really take home. Diet and exercise has to be upgraded to nutrition and movement. And the reason why I say that is because everyone is on a diet. 
don't get frustrated if someone's on a, on a specific diet. Everyone that's consuming something is on a diet. Even if you're fasting, that's a diet of nothing. So you're on a diet, and diet is everything that you take into your eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and on your skin. Your skin consumes 60 to 80% of what you put on it. So whatever you're putting on your skin, take a tablespoon and see how you like it. Okay, if it doesn't taste well, you might want to spit it out and not put it on your skin because you're consuming it. And it's very problematic because it's going right into the lymphatic system and bloodstream. Um, so that is a real problem because people don't realize that their diet is really what's causing them a problem. What you listen to is part of your diet. What you look at is part of your diet. What you smell, what you breathe, all of that is part of your diet, food for thought. So if you're listening to this, congratulations, because that's going to help you and nourish you in some way, hopefully. So I started to listen to things like humor and watching and beauty and all the things that I had values and virtues for were starting to come alive, which you mentioned in the beginning of the um, show. Those all started to come alive as part of my core essence. I didn't know it back then, but it was just this cultivating of understanding. So diet has to be upgraded because you're on a diet, but it doesn't mean it's nourishing yourself, S-E-L-F, and it doesn't mean it's nourishing your cells, C-E-L-L-S. So we have to have a nourishing diet that nourishes our self, our true authentic self, and nourishes our cells at the same time. That's going to be a game that people have to play and find out for themselves. And that means that your diet is either malnourishing or nourishing. There's no place that it doesn't stay in a neutral place. And so if you're malnourished, you're going to move across this planet and move in your relationships in a certain way, which is malnourishing. Therefore, you want to nourish yourself, and you can tell because when you are nourished, you're going to move in relationship to life and love in a certain way that's nourishing. And, and then you're going to start to experience some flow states. Not perfectly. We're still human. We still have a lot of healing. But you're going to feel that and when you start to dial in your nourishment for yourself and for your cells. And you're going, to have, you're going to get some kickback from the American dream and the American script and the way people have said that you're supposed to live. And then you're going to actually fall out of the crowd and not fit in, which is something I was always trying to do, is trying to fit in and be accepted at the expense of my true authentic self and the harming of myself. And this is where most people fail on their journey, is the need to fit in. And I say it's much better to live alone in my truth than it is amongst others in their lives. Absolutely. I'm curious in your journey of healing, the remission, the short stints of remission, chemo, kind of rinse and repeat, bone marrow, transplants. What did you learn about the influence or contribution of emotions to your state of disease or the cancer? Anything? Was there any connection or realization that you had? Because you, you talk about the authentic self and nutrition and exercise and movement. What about emotions? Mm-hmm. So in that moment, eternal moment with the first oncologist, I recognized I had no emotional literacy. In other words, when I had feelings, I didn't know what words to put to the feelings of the context in which I was feeling them. 
the only thing I knew is let's go have some, let's go smoke some pot and drink some beer and then I'll have some courage in a cup. And then I can take that anger out somewhere else or whatever. But I didn't have any emotional literacy. Okay, and that's a major player in understanding our emotional guidance system for aspects of ourselves that lead us to a life of thriving. So if you don't have emotional literacy, which they have proven time and time again, trumps your IQ, your EQ, your emotional quote, uh, quotient, is way more powerful than any academic intellect. And it gives you access to higher reasoning because you're not, because, because I, w I wouldn't be so triggered by emotionality because I can own those and know what they mean. So that was a, that's been a, a continued lifelong journey of becoming emotionally literate and taking ownership of my own emotions and honoring them as guidance systems to being my true authentic self. And it's not easy. It's, it's, the thing is, it's, it feels more painful going through some of that than it does the physical pain. So a lot of people would rather create physical pain because it's easier than experiencing the emotional pain. And I say there's two fears. The fear of dying, physical, the physical pain of dying, and then there's the psychological death, and that's the emotional part. That's the emotional healing is that sense that there's a psychological death happening. And there kind of is. <laughs> it kind of feels that way. You don't know what's going on and you're emotional and whatever, but being in safe places and having great mentors and facilitators has been a, a boon to that, to help me unravel some of that emotional stored trauma that is a, that's trapped in the sense of self and in yourselves. Okay. So if people don't understand health of the body, healing is of the mind and emotions, right? And then transformation is in our love, the kind of love that we're bringing to the world. So you have to have a healthy body. So I remember my mind was so mixed up. My emotions were really vulnerable. So I said, well, spirit through the mind heals the body. So spirit through the body can heal the mind. So if my mind is mixed up, just work through the body for now. Get the temple cleaned out. Feng shui your house. Like organize, simplify. Make yourself, make your home and environment breathe better. And then allow the body to heal because we need energy to actually feel. And so if I've been hit so hard with my physiology and energy is low, then I needed to build some of that up and restore some of that and then continue to work and chip away at essentially growing up as a maturing adult, a consciously healing adult, which is taking ownership of my emotions and not feeling that I have to put my happiness and responsibility of my happiness on someone else or my unhappiness on someone else, that I am responsible for happiness and my happiness. And I actually create those. And secondly, giving agency back to other people that you too have to be responsible for your emotional state and your happiness and your unhappiness so you don't project that responsibility onto others. Easier said than done, but it can be done. And it's liberating when you start to experience that. Right. So emotions. I was to, uh... Sorry, I was ahead. just going to pick up. Emotions are necessary. You have to. You're going to have to look at them at some. You have to go into them at some point, and 
most people's resistance to actually doing the things to heal, that, to, to nourish themselves, number one, to do the things to actually change your nutritional game plan, to feed yourself better, is an emotional block. It's a trauma block. Almost guaranteed. Yeah, trauma is certainly, the reality of it is that our bodies relive it when it's activated or triggered, when there's a memory brought up because our body, our cells store that information and then parts of our brain relive it like it's happening in real time, even though it may have been years and years and years before. I was listening to a master class, so we're, we're really going to essentially be mirroring the same message here. And I found it fascinating. They were talking about if you're really in life playing to win, not just playing to survive or not just showing up, you know, to go through the motions, but if you're really in life and you're really playing to win, you'll know because when you think about situations from the past or things that you've experienced, you're going to feel it in your body. And if you're not feeling it in your body, then, you know, clearly you're numbing out or you're disconnected or there's the trauma block, like you mentioned, but you're not actually showing up to play to win. And there's just something about the way that was presented that really resonated with me, especially with the kind of work that we do, because we see this day in and day out, how people will detach themselves or numb themselves or have that trauma block where they can't actually access, well, what is in my body, what am I feeling, let alone down at the cellular level where that cellular memory is stored and the body relives that story over and over and over. Um, so cellular memory, that's also something that you had mentioned to me. Was that a part of your healing journey or is that now something you integrate with the work you do with clients? It's both. I mean, I'm still on the healing path. I mean, this, is a, this isn't a one-and-done, you know, trip in some regards. So, you know, I mean, I just let the faucet run for too long and dump a couple of gallons of water out on the floor. So I still have a little room, room to wiggle here. The idea is that emotional healing is the gateway to your true self, feeling and healing. Right? It liberates your true potential on the other side. And the number one feeling that prevents us is fear, right? Fear and shock. So shock and fear. And, and that's why now they come up with the post-traumatic growth process, right, instead of the post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's the post-traumatic growth opportunity. So they spin it where that shock in the system is the way to your liberation. And the emotional traumas that you're talking about cellularly, the way I can see that is if I am with a client, what happens is when we're dialoguing or doing breath work, they will turn into a five-year-old. Like the cellular memory of the, of the wound will come out. What are you, being a teenager right now? You know, this is what's happening. You're behaving like a teenager because you're in the energy of that time frame when it happens. So it's pretty easy to say, wow, I can see what you're feeling right now. Was this happening when you were 20 or 30 or, you know, when did this happen? Five, six, in the womb, right? The body carries it until it is processed and healed. Now, people don't realize this, but the conscious mind handles about 2,000 bits of information per second. That's about all it can do. And then it has to create patterns and store it and stuff like that. And the subconscious mind 
it has been shown to handle 400 billion bits of information per second. And so when we're, when we're a baby, our subconscious mind is wide open, taking in 400 billion bits of information per second. It takes everything in as though it's real. Until right? so the consciousness comes into that child and locks that closed. So here we are trying to actually liberate ourselves from that subconscious programming and the cellular memory. And it can be uncomfortable, but in the right setting and the right teacher and stuff like that, it's liberating. It's, it's like going to get a, a self-massage. Like, you know, you're going to massage your true authentic self to come, come out. And anybody that calls you, Janessa, for a session, their true self brought them there. All they have to do is remember that. It wasn't your ego that got you there. It wasn't your pain. It wasn't your suffering. It was the part of you that wants to be liberated from it. Just remember that. If you come into my office, I already know that the true self is strong. You know, I already know that. So then uh, what we have to do is chip away at what is no longer you, which is these memories, you know, that were you didn't get the love that you needed at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And the self-love. It's interesting how we go through life from just really brief sidebar, but relevant. We go through life and we're, you know, infants. We can't meet any of our own needs. We're being fed and um, cared for in every single way. And as we grow up, really, one of the purposes, I would argue, of life is to be able to meet all of our needs on our own. And I'm not talking about having a roof over our head and food on the table. I'm also and most predominantly talking about the emotional needs, the things that we look to our partners, our spouses, our friends, our family members to still make us feel significant and loved and safe and needed and cared for and whatever emotional voids that we picked up along the way that we're still trying to fill, whether through food or the people around us or other coping mechanisms like you mentioned with maybe drugs or alcohol. And in reality, we're really like that growth process is to meet our own needs through our connection with source, knowing that we have abundant resources that we are worthy and deserving to receive every moment, every day to be whole and complete just as we are. And you can say that to people. And if they're really in, you know, the culture and societal norms, they'll look at you sideways and not even begin to understand what exactly that means. It sounds like a fairy tale. And when you do open to your authentic self, this true portion of yourself, it's really not such a far stretch to be able to have that spiritual connection to receive all that you need or know that it's going to be provided when you need it through the resources that you have around you. Um, so that's what popped into my mind when you mentioned meeting your needs. Yeah, no, it's true. And I'll add to it because I simplified a little bit for myself to make my life a little bit easier, which is I know that I'm healing when I know that I am loved rather than the need to be loved. And the two different things so in any circumstance that arises in my reality, I know that I have co-created that at the very least or created it at 100% the most. And so I am responsible for how I want to show up in that. And now I can be love and joy. I could be humorous. I could be all the things I value and my virtues. And then, therefore, I am being an asset to the situation. 
Now, if I get triggered and stuff like that and I have unresolved stuff, then I'll fall into the neediness of that energy, which I need love. I need to control the stimulus. I need to control the outside world in order for me to feel comfortable and good. And I need to get something from the outside world, like alcohol, drugs, the phone, the dopamine hits. I need to get something to numb myself out because I need to feel loved from something. And that's not a shaming thing because that's a normal thing. We all want to experience that. But what I'm trying to do in the world is to help you become more consciously evolving into the true authentic nature that you are love and you don't have the neediness for love. It doesn't mean you don't want or have needs. It just means it's not a neediness. And you're not feeling incomplete if someone doesn't, if someone doesn't meet your need. You don't feel incomplete. You say, thank you. Thanks for considering it. I got this, you know, and we move on from that. So the need to be loved is a sign that there's still some growth potential in that experience, that neediness. What is it about that that you're missing, that you think you're missing? Because nothing's missing in your life. It's just changed form. It's somewhere. You're just not bringing it into your tangible reality, right? It might be in your dreams. It might be in your fantasies. It might be in your imagination. It might be on your vision board. I don't know, it's, it, but it's not missing in your life. Nothing's missing. That's just the way it is in this world. Nothing's missing in your life. It's just changed form. That means something in your life has to go um, or something that is missing in your life in some ways, but something has to go in order for you to grow into your own true authentic nature. And the, the healing process is taking your consciousness to go into the unconscious suffering that you don't see that's running the show. That's conscious healing. That's consciously evolving. That's becoming an actual mature adult. <laughs> I laugh because I use that as somewhat drama, drama relief because it's sometimes very sad and uncomfortable. So I have to access that uh, gift of a sense of humor and lightheartedness in, in the sandbox of healing because, you know, someone's going to throw sand in your face somewhere and you're going to have to laugh it off. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I can see even in my clients between sessions sometimes the amount of, I'm air quoting, growing up they do through healing the trauma that has kept parts of them stuck at that age and in that situation. So I can only imagine, I feel like while our life circumstances have looked so vastly different, you and I both share a lot of themes in regards to how we've gone through our lives being upended in ways to really living this authentic truth that is what we were actually designed to be and being a little bit off course and getting back on course through some unfavorable circumstances and dealing with the trauma that comes with that. I'm curious about, you know, the nutrition portion specifically of your healing and what tweaks you made that worked for you there, you know, like you mentioned Ayurveda and new German medicine. And I had someone else on who had also survived cancer. They talked about how they were vegan actually at the time that they were diagnosed. And so new German medicine I've mentioned before has a philosophy about several lost traumas that stack that creates a, predisposition perhaps to having cancer for lack of better word. There's another philosophy out there that if the acid level in the body 
and glucose are too high and oxygen is too low, then again, you're, you're physically predisposed to have cancer. So I'm really curious about the nutrition and how that would be in alignment with the acidity within the body specifically. All right, so I'll try and use my own way of navigating this because it can be personal for people. That's part of our trauma is nutritional trauma from our South American diet and the food industry. And so you have to overcome that trauma. That's a trauma in the system of our, of our unconscious mind that we're supposed to eat in a certain way. We're supposed to eat this or that. We've been programmed to do that. So take this with a grain of salt for now. When I first was diagnosed, um, I... I realized that if I could learn how to eat according to nature without any power, electricity, or anything, if I was dropped in the woods, what would I eat? Most people would die. They wouldn't know what to eat. So we're very domesticated animals, and yet our true self is yearning to be natural, wild, and free. And so that's the conflict. We're in a biological mismatch with ourselves. So that process has taken me a long time to come across. Do I do vegan? Do I do vegetarian? Do I do omnivore? Do I do animal-based? Do I do carnivore? Blah, 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 blah. The whole list mm-hmm. goes on. Well, look at, look at gang. Mm-hmm. We can eat anything we want. You, you can do whatever you want. That's the thing. You, and probably that's part of the problem is that we can do whatever we want in, in many cases and that we have it 24-7 access. For me, it was just a, a navigating of principles that I thought if I could start to learn to eat more in accordance with nature's laws, then that's going to start putting me back together and connect me with nature and through that, the divine. So where does that lead me in all my experimentation, just to cut to the chase? It's led me to really almost a raw animal diet for the primal body. And I feel like, personally, I think humanity has to take a couple of steps back before it can actually move forward into their spiritual nature. So it's just kind of like anything else on my healing journey. I, I, I take a step forward and I took a tumble back. I take a step forward and I tumble back. And I think humanity has done that. They're trying to leap forward and leap and go beyond the human experience and be spiritually oriented, but then they're floating away and they're not really healthy. I think what's happened is, is that we have to take a couple steps back and, and honor our primal body, honor the earth, honor the, the water, the air, the fire. We have to honor that part of us and get solid in our body so that that is now healthy enough to handle the energy of spirit. Because if the body's not right, it's like a light bulb. If you, if you have a one-watt bulb and you put 1,000 watts to it, it shatters. Well, think about taking 10 million watts or a mega, megas of millions of watts of spirit coming into your body. You'll have a Kundalini crisis. It'll shatter the body. So we have to build a body, plain and simple. We have to have a foundation for that energy. And that comes with the nutrition and your exercise program and your movement program. And then start to learn how to cultivate energy, cultivate love and cultivate energy and all those things. And relax, like relax into the process because – you can't skip a grade. You will tumble back if you try to skip a grade. It, it just doesn't work that way in nature and, and in the divine process for each of our own soul. I know if there was a magic pill, I would have tried it. But it really was awareness of what I'm eating. Is it nourishing me? Does it match my personality a little bit? And uh, how do I let go of these things? Because a lot of the food, food is the number one essentially the number one self-medication in the world, right? 
And secondly, it's the biggest drug pusher in the world because it pushes you into the pharmaceutical industry. So we're screwed on, two, on many accounts here. We're programmed to eat it. We're programmed to poison ourselves and ourselves. We're programmed to poison each other with that kind of nourishment. And we validate it and we say, well, we're going to die of something, cancer, no big deal. Oh, it's just a back pain. It's just back surgery, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. It's just diabetes. It's, it's not that bad, you know. Joey had it worse. I didn't have it bad. He had his feet cut off. I didn't, you know. So we rationalize and justify our chronic situation as normalized, which Pilar Girasimo, in her work, in her book, Healthy Deviant, has a beautiful phrase for it, which is we're living in a healthy, an unhealthy de default reality, where being unhealthy is virtuous. And anyone that is actually breaking free from that nutritional dogma, dogma or nutritional programming is actually having to be a, a deviant. You have to deviate from that. I call it respectful, respectfully rebel against it. So nutritionally speaking, I'm actually entering into a 101-day pure carnivore, raw carnivore, um, to reset so, my mitochondria. I, I love this conversation. Thank you for sharing that. I, we have about, you know, five-ish minutes, and I feel like this next question could be a whole own episode. But when you say raw, I think a lot of people out there are going to immediately go to the default programming that if you're eating raw foods, including raw meats, then you're eating parasites and bacteria and you're going to get sick. And so can you concisely break that paradigm of the germ theory and how it's possible for you to eat raw and not get, you know, disgustingly ill? Nature's laws. If you go into nature, all of nature is eating their food in a raw state or even a decayed state or a putrefied state. And so I can imagine 350,000 years ago, there was no six-burner stove out there. It wasn't going to be easy to, to, to roast your, your, your chicken and, you know, have potatoes and make sure you had a, a plate that had um, all the right macronutrients and the micronutrients. No, it didn't work that way. And they were enlightened beings because their instincts and intuition were spot on Well, they died. So they were totally connected, but they weren't conscious of it. So we drifted out of consciousness of that connection so we can come back to consciously reconnect. And so raw food has all the elements of nature in it. It has the microbes. Microbes are here to heal us. They're janitors of the world, and they only take care of... Um, disease, dysfunctional, and um, dying tissue. So if you have a problem with proper healthy tissue or cells, then those guys are the janitors, and they are the biggest detoxifiers on the planet. Otherwise, we'd have dead bodies and all kinds of messes around here. So if you've been living an ignorant and arrogant life like I was, well, you've got some cleanup to do. So it can be drastic. So be mindful and get a coach or get some education before you dive into this because it's a powerful tool going back to nature's laws. And you're, you're, you're generationally domesticated. So your body will go through some, some havocs. But it also has the water element. So raw meat has structured water in it, the fourth phase of water. How do we know that? Because when you cut into a piece of meat, the water doesn't leak out. It's structured. It's held in the meat. So when you cook it, you cook the meat out and you kill the structured water. 
and you kill the bacteria, which are there to help digest the food, and the enzymes to help digest the food. Then you got the air element, right, the oxygen and everything inside that meat. you got the fire element, the sunlight. Everything is intact. Now, if you also get it from a good farmer that understands farming from nature's laws, you're getting the mind of the farmer and the love of God through that process. So you're getting all the elements of nature inside that one piece of raw beef and I can guarantee you, if you give a baby a piece of kale, it's going to spit it out because it's poisonous to that baby. You give it some raw ground beef, that baby's going to eat it. Guaranteed. No problem. Why? I see it all the time. So don't worry about it. And I have a pregnant, I have a 41-year-old pregnant woman doing almost exclusively raw meat and dairy and rocking it to the point where when she first got pregnant, they found some pretty big fibroids, and that's when I said, you got to go carnivore, 100%. In one month on that pregnancy, the fibroids were gone. It's the primal body. It's the animal body that we're, we, we think we're spiritual by leaving the body, but I'm saying get in the body. We need to build a body right now. We have to repair the earth. We have to build ourselves and get way more in touch with the elements. Earth, water, air, and fire are direct related to our body and if you notice the way the world is running with the air the, those elements the earth is being messed up the waterways natural water spring water the airways come on gang if you're semi-awake you know the airways are really problematic and if you know that about the sunlight and artificial lighting etc that's why our bodies are having trouble we're in a biological mismatch with our natural wild self and our natural self so Getting back to that, that's the cleanup. I, and don't forget, as a civil engineer, I worked on super Superfund sites, which are hazardous waste sites. So I just converted that into cleaning myself up instead of cleaning the earth up. Yeah, I, I can really feel in my body, as you talk about these different elements, that, like, the traumatized eating, of course, for those who don't know, I, I had an eating disorder in my much younger years, but when you talk about raw meat, Dan, it actually, like, I can feel the gag reflex in the back of my throat. Like, I don't you think should. my body <laughs> would want to accept that. But I do, I fully feel and understand that the elements and the aspects of nature and returning to our truth that has been, for the lack of a better word, softened over generations and generations and generations in a way that's moved us away from our actual natural way of being. Well, guess what the medical model is built on? The germ theory is, is pretty high on the list. Okay? It's high mm-hmm. on the list is the germ theory. So if that germ theory is actually obsolete and it's opposite, that the germs are actually here to heal us, which they are, um, we need a symbiotic relationship with the microbial world, and most people don't know viruses aren't microbes, but they've lump, they lump it into there. Viruses are not alive, right? They're, they're kind of like enzymes, but they bud out of a cell. They, they, they're formed from within the cell to clean the cell because the body is geared towards survival and growth. Actually, it's here for eternal life and physical reality, but that's another talk, right? 
And so we just need to understand that law more and more. And the cleaner you get up in the, in the holy temple, the more your intuition and instinct come online, the more you see clearly. And then, you see, then, then, then the veil of deception starts to lift, and then you get upset <laughs> for a little while. It's like if you are, if you haven't if you don't think you've been upset at God a few times on this path, then you're not really doing the work, you know? Because it's like God, why you give me this kind of pain? This is ridiculous. You suck. I, I don't like you anymore. I'm having I'm having a pissy, piss, you know, my five year old tantrum against God, and I, I'm not going to win that one. So. Uh, I think um, we'll start getting ready to, um, you know. Yeah, we'll move to wrap up here as we're moving to the top of the hour. I know that we could elaborate on many of these topics in their own shows uh, because there's just so much richness in the conversation of many of these topics individually. So for people who are interested in connecting with you, learning more, working with you, what is the best way for them to find you? And do you currently have a course, an offering? What's going on in your world? <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> Just reach out to me at my website, danhegerich.com. I offer a 30-minute co- uh, coaching session. It's a way for us to dip our toes in because everything starts with a dialogue. Like, that's where everything starts. You have to reach the phone out when you're in doubt. you got to get someone on board to mentor, coach, and guide you, and then surround yourself with a community of support of who you want to be like. So if you just reach out to me, email me um, through that, then we can get together and have a conversation if I'm right to that person and if that person's right for me. And I don't have a class now, uh, um, like online or anything, but I do one-on-one coaching. It's it's quite intense in some ways. I, I ask a three-month commitment because we need to actually get at least 100 days in to really develop that relationship and trust to have the effect that someone might be looking for. And then you can follow yeah. my social media through the website. Amazing. Um, for those of you out there who are listening because you don't see the visual currently, Dan, his last name, Hegerich, is H-E-G-E-R-I-C-O to find him on his website. Or to just drop him into Google and let Google connect you. I wanted to spell that out for you guys because Hooked on Phonics doesn't always work for me. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us here this evening. Thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for coming back, joining me twice to get this launched and Maybe we can have you back on the show in the future and get a little bit deeper into some of these elements because truly this is what creates lasting health. It's not the pharmaceuticals. It's preserving your health before you're sick. And then when you are sick, you're walking yourself out of that fire in a way that is aligned with nature. So tomorrow, we're not even going to be a full week tomorrow. SJ and I will be back. We're going to discuss how exactly does energy work work and the differences and commonalities, pros and cons to working in groups versus individuals. So in less than 24 hours, I hope you'll join us back here. And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open.
Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 